When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I'm Jonathan London, your host. If this is your first Geekscape, well, we talk movies, video games, comic books, TV, all that pop culture stuff. I like to sit down every week with a creator from those worlds and talk about why they tell the stories that they tell. This week is no different. I've got my good friend Paula Rhodes coming up talking about uh, her film Delicate State, which she shot during her pregnancy. It's kind of weird, documentary style. She was pregnant. I guess her, her husband, who helped her get into that uh, uh, situation in the first place, I'm guessing that's how it worked for them, uh, she and her husband Charlie were like, hey, we're both actors, I'm pregnant, and I'm feeling creative. I don't, I've never been pregnant, or even in the other side of that situation, Charlie's shoes, but I'm guessing that uh, you, you know, everything's kind of flowing, and your life is changing, and you're excited because you don't know what's next, and you say, hey, I'm feeling creative, I've got this idea for a story, and... We gotta film it now because one of the major aspects of this film and storyline is that the main characters are pregnant. Uh, they're having a kid and things around them aren't ideal. So um, it's a cool idea for a movie. It's called Delicate State. It's up on Season Spark right now and we're gonna talk about it here in a little bit. Um, but for sure, there's a link in the show notes. Check it out as you listen. Uh, pass it on to your friends and help them get their finishing funds so that they can finish this movie that they made themselves on a shoestring budget featuring several prior Geekscapists in the, in the, uh, in the cast and um, help them get this thing finished. That's what's coming up for you guys on, uh, on the conversation. Um, it's, it's cool though. Think about Delicate State as like the road prequel. <laughs> like as society is starting to turn towards uh, going to crap, um, there's a family that is pregnant with a child and they don't quite know where things are going, but they know that the baby's coming, and they can't change anything. So I'm excited to sit down with Paula Rhodes, who uh, should have been on Geekscape like years ago, because you may know her from the adventures of the new adventures of Pete and Wendy, and I know her from the ElfQuest uh, project that she did with Stephanie Thorpe, and uh, and you guys can find that. I think it's called ElfQuest: A Fan Imagining, in that that you can find in the video. So you've probably seen Paula Rhodes. You've probably uh, seen her on like um, commercials or. Uh, in fan, you know, in, in online projects, or you've heard her voice as we talk about in games like GTA 5 and Red Dead Redemption 2. So we'll wait for that conversation. It's coming up. Um, what's up with me? Well, I don't know. I thought um, Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> turned out to be the best video game film 
ever made. I know respect to the original Mortal Kombat movie, but is that such a high bar? I'm not saying video game series, because video game series, uh, people really like the Street Fighter animated one that comes out. People like, uh, I like Kevin Tantaro's, uh Mortal Kombat series. Uh, he did two seasons of it for um, Machinima. Where the hell can you even find those today? Um, like really, where can you find those today? Where's any of that Machinima stuff? Including those really, really good two seasons of Mortal Kombat that they did for um, the live action. So um, as far as video game series, I'm not sure. Um, there's some good stuff out there. But, oh, and Castlevania. Castlevania on Netflix written by Warren Ellis is really good. Got to shout that out. Um, but as far as video game movies, Sonic, here comes the pun, ran away with it. Uh, I loved it. I'm just going to give my little review right here. Don't have to sit down with Ian Kerner for this one. Uh, I loved it, and I'd been waiting for this movie since I was 12 years old, which I don't think identity politics played too much into it. <laughs> the little 12-year-old nerd inside of me really needing this movie to be good. You know how you do this? How, you're, how Sometimes you'll skew your review towards something because you've spent half your life investing towards it. So you're like, okay, even though it wasn't that great, I've got to like it because... Shit, I'm in too far. <laughs> I think there's an actual technical term for that. Like somebody who doesn't want to admit uh, kind of a defeat, admit that they were wrong about something because the investment that they put into it would be nullified and they just can't live with themselves like that. Maybe in politics today, a lot of people are dealing with that. They're like, well, you know what? I know that guy I voted for wasn't so good in the end and he's really turned things to shit, but... I'm in too deep, and I bought the uh, the congressional coin, and I bought the I, uh, I bought the, the 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 mug and the hat, and it's my Halloween costume. And oh shit, I I I, I really own the libs. I uh, oh no, my whole online persona would be torn apart if if, if I admit that I was wrong. Um, well, sometimes you just gotta admit that you were wrong. That's not what I'm doing here with Sonic the Hedgehog. I thought the movie was a lot of fun. It, it's got a few plot holes, like. Why wouldn't Sonic just run to San Francisco? Well, maybe he doesn't know how to get there. Um, how does he not read a map? Well, don't worry about that. There's a map in the movie, and it's drawn like a five-year-old. So uh, Sonic is kind of like a kid in the film, and um, I enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, it James Marsden's great. Jim's Car Jim Carrey's fantastic. You get classic 90s Jim Carrey. Uh, and I think that Sony did a great job in saying, hey... Uh, there was a lot of bad feedback to the Sonic that we put out in that trailer with the scary teeth and the human legs. Let's rethink it. Maybe let's put it a little bit closer to the original Sonic, you know, the Sonic from the cartoons, and let's do that. Uh, ben Schwartz does a great job on the voice. Um, he, you know, and Ben Schwartz, somebody who I know has been in uh, a lot of stuff, but he's just now on my radar because he's in a movie with Billy Crystal that comes out this week uh, that my friend Peter Hoare uh, wrote. And it's called Standing Up Falling Down. And that's like an indie market. So I bet it has a VOD coming up pretty soon. But it looks pretty good. There's a trailer for it called Standing Up Falling Down. And it's Ben Schwartz and Billy Crystal. And that movie comes out this weekend. So uh, because of that movie, Ben Schwartz was kind of like on my radar. And now he's, he's voicing Sonic. And I thought he did a great job. And the jokes were just funny. And the shout outs to the video games. And the justification for Sonic collecting the rings. And... Uh, the way his powers worked and the way he um, was alone and then learned to, to what his home was and the friendship and all those different angles. I thought it was well written. It kind of reminded me, and don't throw anything, don't throw anything. 
it kind of reminded me of like that first Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. <laughs> and you're going to be like, hey, wait a minute. You like the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie? Um, I'm just going to quantify it and say the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie was what the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie should have been, you know, if you're a fan. Or let's go with the original James Gunn written Scooby-Doo film. Uh, when You know, these are kids movies and Sonic is very much a kids movie. And sometimes it's annoying to sit in a theater and sit amongst a bunch of kids because, well they're loud and they get up and they do all sorts of things but you know what it's not your theater and we have to admit to ourselves this movie isn't for us uh if you're in your 30s if you're in your 40s or even if you're in your 20s um sonic was something that was nostalgic has there even been a good sonic game in your adult life i would say yes sonic mania currently out and uh it's awesome but it came it didn't really come from sega initially it came as a fan uh, programmed fan design project that Sega then took over and published. So has Sega put out a good Sonic game in our adult lives? Hmm. That's worth discussion. Go to the Geekscape uh, Facebook group or Twitter or Instagram and find Geekscape and maybe add that discussion. Has, um, have they put it in, in, I don't know, you go ahead and count Super Smash Brothers because you're going to really be starved for guessing whether or not Sega or you know anybody has put out a good Sonic game in our adult lives. I'm going to vote Sonic Mania. I think Sonic Mania is awesome. Um, that being said, the movie is so much fun. I don't want to spoil it here, but uh, just broad strokes. Uh, those are the things that were great. The acknowledgement of how some of the rules of the game were brought into a, a film world. Uh, justifying some things like collecting the rings and sonic speed and how that physics worked and how going through different levels worked things like the green hill zone being the beginning of the sonic uh game and the original genesis and how that green green hills is where james marsden character lives and where a lot of the uh, action takes place i thought the human actors were great jim carrey definitely a highlight throwing back to his old 90s style he was hilarious and the writing and the jokes and the performances were just really good. And again, it's a kid's movie, and it was exactly the kid's movie that it had to be. There's a lot of online um, uh, conversation about comparing Sonic to Birds of Prey. That's just silly. <laughs> uh, Birds of Prey is an R-rated movie, and it, you know I think uh, idea politi- identity politics does come back into play because I think people really want their DC movies to be good, and I think this one with the female-centric uh, focus and it's Harley Quinn and female empowerment and this and that. We talk about that a lot on the last episode of Geekscape when I we did a uh, Birds of Prey Harley Quinn special. I sat down with Ian and we went through what worked and what didn't work with Birds of Prey. And it's really tough when you have movies that people identify with because representation does matter. It really does uh, do something for someone when you look up and say, hey, I'm on screen. I'm represented as these powerful characters. You know, uh, I'm a female and one woman speaks to me or I'm black and Black Panther speaks to me or uh, I'm from Atlantis and Aquaman speaks to me. <laughs> Basically, identity politics, uh, people can say that it goes a long way in skewing how people think about a movie, but you also have to acknowledge that these are mainly underrepresented people for a long time that aren't put in these uh, big roles very often. You know, you can say, oh, you know, Blade was the first black superhero. (laughs) Or there was a Supergirl movie in the 80s. What about that? And yes, I get it. Linda Carter was uh, Wonder Woman. But if you're looking at the whole uh, history of uh, genre movies or uh, movies and TV in general, the chances that underrepresented people get 
to be on screen is pretty low. It's skewed pretty much against them. That being said, Birds of Prey is not a movie that I liked. That is a movie where knowing that all the important chances that uh, and all the important opportunities that went into it, not unlike the uh, Paul Feig directed Ghostbusters movie that was on all females Ghostbusters cast, that movie is another one that I did not enjoy. And looking at that stuff, as important as the identity politics are in that one, or just the identification that somebody has watching that film, you deserve more. You deserve a plot where it makes sense. Um, go back if you enjoyed or didn't enjoy Birds of Prey and listen to Ian and I talk about it, but just plot threads that were just dropped. And you're sitting there going, no, wait, like, this is pretty important. You guys have an opportunity to make a movie for people who are underrepresented or will go to the theater hoping that uh, their friends or their daughters or their kids are going to get uh, represented in a certain way. And I think when you step up to bat on something like that, you got to really, really, really work hard uh, to make sure that you hit a home run. Uh, some people think that Birds of Prey was a home run. Cool. I am so for the people who went to the movies and enjoyed it. Awesome, 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 awesome. Be part of the conversation and promote the movie. That being said, uh, this whole conversation between Birds of Prey being compared to Sonic, what is that? <laughs> because Sonic did gangbusters. Uh, as a February release, it's a tough time to release a film. Uh, they all went for it. Uh, they released in February before the um, Vin Diesel's and the early summer movies start coming out in March and April. It's crazy how summer blockbusters are now starting two months earlier, but that's just the way it is. Um, these movies went for February releases. They went for the geek or the genre uh, audiences. But again, think about the things that were working against Birds of Prey. It has a higher rating, so a lot less people are able to buy a ticket for it. And yes, kids do sneak into, you know, or go with their parents to see the movie. Uh, I didn't think Birds of Prey was for kids because. Uh, <laughs> You've got Ewan McGregor's character slicing off people's faces. But, uh, obviously, Sonic is for kids. So, it just had a chance at a much bigger box office. Anyone who buys the ticket is allowed to go see the movie. It is an all-age movie. So, just on a box office standpoint, having an online discussion about which movie was better, which movie deserved to have higher box office, blah, 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 blah. It's a stupid, stupid, stupid argument. The truth is, these are individualized experiences that we are experiencing even in a social setting. Uh, the movie that you love is the movie that you love. If you loved Birds of Prey more than Sonic the Hedgehog, or you think Sonic the Hedgehog is for kids and you think Birds of Prey is totally rad and it's for you, that's awesome. Going online and saying, hey, my team should have won, well that's a game you're not even in. <laughs> what is that? Uh, there's a lot cooler ways to spend your time. And as we like to say here on Geekscape, don't hate, create. You can buy that store in the Geekscape store right now. You can buy that shirt. You can literally buy what I just said on a t-shirt at the Geekscape store. Uh, don't hate, create. And um, when life throws you some lemons, the best way to, to, to put it out there, maybe you're not represented on screen, maybe you want to be an actor, a writer, whatever, you want to be creative, go make some stuff. Don't be talking on the internet. Just go make some stuff. So with that as my two bits on, uh, my two cents on Sonic uh, and creating some stuff and not arguing online, let's throw to my conversation with Paula Rhodes who said, hey, I'm having a baby. <laughs> my first baby. 
why don't I just make a movie <laughs> in the middle of it? Uh, man, hats off for that. Uh, enjoy the conversation. Um, my first time having Paula on the show, and it was a joy, and I think we had a lot of fun. So, Geekscapists, enjoy. Geekscapists, I'm sitting here with Paula Rhodes. You guys might know her. You know what? Whether or not you know her or not, you're going to probably recognize the <laughs> voice because um, you may know her from her work on the Barbie series or... Uh, I'm kidding, Geekscapist. <laughs> she has done a lot of girl-centric type of entertainment. And yes, like the animated Barbie series or um, what are some of the other... Ever After High. Ever After High. High. Monster High. So yes, that stuff is maybe... Doc McStuffins. They're big on that, <laughs> Doc right? McStuffins. It's probably a little bit younger for you guys. <laughs> Um, or Resident uh, Evil, but but Resident Evil, you would know. I know our own Derek Cranavelt is a huge Resident Evil fan. That's like his favorite franchise. So um, Derek might be in a dark place right now because the Resident Evil franchise in games is kind of in limbo. I think they're they're putting out more Resident Evil like Plinko and Vegas machines than they are Resident Evil games. So I'm sorry. Oh, you never know. But you know what? Maybe you could voice some of those Vegas games that Capcom puts out. Dude, if they want to call me for a game, I am there. Um, I uh, know your voice, uh, not just from being friends for, I think we've been friends for 10 plus years, but uh, from... Well, we're vampires, so it might have been longer. Well, I've also been, um, I've been going, pick, I picked back up Red Dead Redemption 2. Okay, yeah. A game that, I'm sorry, but our friend Yuri Lowenthal took pole position on when those games came out at the same time, Spider-Man and, and, and Red Dead Redemption I, I, 2. I don't even want to battle Yuri on something, I mean... But on. I went full on into Spider-Man and... Understandable. It was around the time Resident Evil, or sorry, I'm in Resident Evil mode. It was around the time Red, Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, and that game just seemed so huge and immersive and daunting, even though the first one is like my favorite, one of my favorite games of all time, that that second game I was like, I'm going to have to chew on this for a while. Let me play Spider-Man. So our mutual friend Yuri Lowenthal and former guest of Geekscape several times over, uh, he took precedent when that game came out, but I got to tell you, in the last few months... Red Dead Redemption has kind of been my Red Dead Redemption Two has been like my Zen state where I I've found just me? where I've just gone back to Red Dead Redemption Two and been exploring everything and trying to pick off the missions and slowly but surely working my way towards hundred. I should warn you. I know it's possible to chase my character for a long time and she really doesn't want to talk to you, so she'll keep tossing, um, "Leave me alone," sort of. You know gotcha. what? Not unlike our life, okay. not yeah, unlike no, our, yeah, our, our real like, life relationship. So really, someone just followed me around for a day. <laughs> there was a time. <laughs> Early two thousands. No, uh, I've known Paula for a long time, but I but I don't think that you and I like. W- I wouldn't classify us as like close friends or this and that. But circle, but um, but the circle like. First off, when you did with Stephanie Thorpe the Elf Quest series, or oh. like, you guys did the Elf Quest short, which is still online, I'm sure, right? Uh, it is, yeah. Um, if you guys Fan Google imagining. Elf Quest Fan Imagining, you guys are going to see a short and. I was just talking to Grant Imahara the other day about ElfQuest. I was just wearing my ElfQuest shirt at Matt Altman's party. I don't know if you know Matt Altman. We were at his birthday, and Grant Imahara was there, who should come on Geekscape. He's he's Geekscape material. And I'm wearing my ElfQuest shirt, and we started talking about ElfQuest and Wendy Peeney and Wendy Peeney in the 70s in a Red Sonja outfit and like whatever. I, I like never, you do. I don't know Red, like Wendy Peeney, but you hear the stories about the Peenies and... They were 70s free love people, and that's in the ElfQuest series. And I'm still reading ElfQuest. ElfQuest has always been there for me, which is, that's what Geekscape is, is like the (laughs) celebration of those things that have always been there for you. Like when I went to see Sonic, and I was like, Sonic, you've always been here for me. I can't abandon him at this point, yeah. (laughs) They've never abandoned me. Um, 
And so you did the Elf Quest, and I was like, okay, Paula Rhodes is on my radar because she's an Elf Quest fan. You're an Elf Quest fan. I yes, I was a it was a lifelong. I taught my sister to read on it, sort of. Uh, Wait, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we we made it out of just tons of love, and ended up getting the uh, the film and TV rights to it for a couple of years. And that the, the end story is is a heartbreak and a whole episode in and of itself. But um, and it's quite in, in yes, and Stephanie and I have talked about it a little bit, mm-hmm. but it felt like. It was a subject that I was like, oh, this one's tender. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Not a big fan of Dark Horse. Um, but it, Not it, the only creator that I've heard that from. Yes. Um, I like ethically um, or morally sound people, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> but, but you know what? It was a wonderful learning experience. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I still uh, love the story. Yeah. And, you know, the, the characters always be a part of my life. So I think finding that and finding my power and being able to bring part of that story to life was really a lovely level up for me in my storytelling. Ability. Yeah, that's hard. Separating the business from the art and from the story of it all is kind of hard because that's why we fall in love with them. Oh my gosh, different sides of the brain. We are so into the story and then all of a sudden <laughs> we're like, wait... Real world stuff. Uh, these are yeah. these are human beings <laughs> who see this as a business venture, and even if they may love the story, that thing still has to run like an assembly line, True. and they still got to get there. But you know what? Everything is something to learn from in so, this particular journey. But it, but I think well, over the course of the years, and let's get into delicate states, which, which is you, what you're here yeah. talking about. Delicate state geekscapist is, you know what? Is it? There's a there's documentary aspects to it only because you shot this thing during your two pregnancies. It's a docufiction. It's a yes. docufiction, but um, but it goes into what I'm about to say, which is that like as we go on, I've met more and more creators in our um, in our circle and in every circle of creatorship that now that we have so many avenues from crowdfunding, which we we're going to talk about, to um, content creation, uh, and it, really what we're talking about is ownership. Which is why ElfQuest is a good springboard for it, <laughs> is that um, when you get in, when you get to this point where ultimately, like, you don't actually legally own any of this stuff that you that you're pouring stuff into. Which is why fan films for me, I'm not laid into the fan films because um, they can be very successful online. They can be great calling cards. I imagine ElfQuest was for you and Stephanie it a very was, good. And that's kind of what you have to go calling into card. With. Um, but I think that you found more success with the other series that you guys did, New Adventures of Pete and Wendy. True. Yeah. And that because, one is a uh, public domain. <laughs> because that's public domain and it's based on Peter Pan. Right. And even though it may even not widely, be... Widely. Widelier. There's a word. It's uh, What's more commonly known. It's uh, yeah, yeah, out it, there. Peter Pan is <laughs> way more commonly known. and uh, Still pointy ears. And even, so. <laughs> it's still pointy ears. <laughs> it, well, even what? though it's not the geekscapist like, purview to be like, Oh, Peter Pan, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe you Geekscapes are into Peter Pan. Um, lots of people saw that series. It was fun. Over two million views. Yeah. Three that's, seasons. That's awesome. It's pretty rad. So you guys did like f- almost 60 episodes of that thing? I believe so. It's been a while since I've counted. Um, but yeah, we did We did three seasons basically cutting the book mm-hmm. into three parts. And had, you know, like Jim Beaver from Supernatural and stuff playing my father as Mr. Darling. And uh, Percy Daggs playing Hook, you know, from Veronica Mars. We had some just just an amazing team of people to do that with. So that was a labor of love that also resulted in some wonderful um, calling card step up, doors opened. And I think that's the thing is like you guys did kind of a fan love letter, but you 
owned the thing. You, you know, it was your jam on the on the on the, <laughs> yeah. on the idea. And even though at the end of the day, yes, the whole idea of Peter Pan and Wendy is not owned by anybody. Oh gosh, there's so many. Yeah. That, but it's still something that fans <laughs> can gravitate to. It plugs to. into that existing fan base. I think that's a smarter nice. fan. Yeah. I think that's a smarter fan film play. If you're looking for something, I mean, there are a lot of geekscapists who are into content creation and making their own stuff. And I think that if you're going to do a fan film, um, maybe go for one of those classics. If you can, if there's something that's public domain, for sure. Um, I've gotten uh, way too versed on what the legal aspects are of where you can and can't do these things. Um, But I would always encourage somebody, if you have something that really drives you, and if it's just a kernel of an idea that's like, I really want to make this, just make it. Find a way to make it because even if it's just a calling card or a way for you to learn, that's your next step up the rung of the ladder, right? right? So it's, I encourage it, but you can't look at it as a money-making venture if you don't. And that's the pickle. (laughs) Guys, if you've heard anything in the last X number of years of Geekscape listenership, it's your money-making venture is called going to law school and becoming a doctor or going to med school and becoming a doctor (laughs) and becoming a lawyer. Or just, you know what? Commercials, voiceover, fine. Maybe like if you guys want to make it rich become a russian oligarch oh it's yeah just, i've been applying to that <laughs> yeah weird. the russian oligarch system let's do that let's become a let's become an oil very magnate nice to be in that geeks gave us we might have missed the train to becoming an oil magnate <laughs> all right but but i don't know if yeah delicate state would that be like plugging into the fandom of civil war i have no um, okay so delicate hmm. state is um <laughs> is this project right now and you're looking for finishing funds um, and what's the platform you guys are using for this crowdfund? We're going to be using Seed and Spark. We used Seed and Spark ourselves. Yeah. Did you? That's pretty we nice. used it for Heidi and I's project. Yes. Um, we used Seed and Spark, yeah. That was awesome. So, so this actually turned out to be a um, a way to keep my creative sanity kind of while I was pregnant because you start to realize like you're 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 forced to face your own vulnerability both economically and physically when you're pregnant as a woman because suddenly you're like oh. I can't work right now. Oh, right. And I'm getting fewer jobs, and it sent Creative Paula into like a tizzy until finally Charlie, my husband, was just like, Why don't we make a movie? And You're I was like, Whoa, like, well, Charlie, a lot that's of... how we got into this mess. Right? No. <laughs> All right, put away the <laughs> but camera. I'm so, that's why we are now oligarchs. No. <laughs> um, so we came up with this idea, and you know, this is this wonderful time of technology where you literally can have a camera and a person and make a movie if you mm-hmm. get the right story in your head. Um, and so what we did was we made an outline because being um, as pregnancy is rather unpredictable, as is the state of our nation, uh, I came up with a story that might work and knew that I'd have to switch things around according to what happened in the country and what happened with my pregnancy. Yeah. And we filmed this, the two of us, and then had wonderful guest stars coming in as, as ideas kind of came to me, including Yuri Lowenthal. And Yuri's in this? Yes, he's, he's everywhere. Tara Platt. And, that's uh, enough of this. Glenn Morshauer from uh, Supergirl in 24. And the Yuri, Rosen. that's enough. I know. So does he not? He just works. Like, that's I, it. I can complain, right? but he's in our film, so whatever. He's just a nice guy. <laughs> he's just the uh, but we had so many amazing people come and, and help us do this and, and believe in us. And, uh, and we self-funded all the way through uh, the editing phase. And then now we won the Chimera to get her award, which sees us through like 90% of our VFX. Which That's is the Chimera project. Yeah, for America Young. Well, let's talk about 
what the movie is about. It is a uh, docufiction, like I said, it's Charlie and I documenting our first pregnancy. And you start to realize that we have our heads in the sand about something really big happening in the outside world until we can't ignore it anymore. And you realize that civil war is broken out in, in the, the US. US. How do you miss something like that? Um, well, you know we're what? in the middle of it you right start, now. I know, that's the scary thing is it made it too easy. It was like discounting everything as conspiracy theories or fake news and right. getting frustrated at the inconvenience to ourselves with the protests as yeah. opposed to realizing why the people were angry. Oh, traffic's blocked off. Right, until it literally it comes here. And I don't want to give too much away, but like we are completely it's forced your to face. What? It, until it's at your doorstep. Until it's literally here, yes. Yeah. Hitting, like there's no way for us to ignore it anymore. And uh, we're forced to face something that women all over the world face, families do, of having a child in the middle of a war. But not something in our Pinterest world of baby nurseries, you know, you ever would think of here. Yes, I um up until I don't know 2015. So. <laughs> yeah, well, uh. I, I think that I think that we are I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we can talk politics on Geeks here. We do it all the time. Um, I got mad seeing the social media and the reg- mainstream media posting all these as if it was no big deal. Like, oh, what do you mean? Civil War, all these just um, references to it. Like, oh, is a second Civil War coming? Like, no big deal. And we, we need this to purge the nation and just oh, I think they need it to, to I think they need it to kick up their, their clickbait. That might and, be, but they were really leaning into it. And it started to scare me as a mother and a human just being like, wow, this is really irresponsible. The romanticizing of... A war. Yeah, and, no, it's And not awful. really taking to heart all that it would mean. So part of this is just me being everyone's mother and reminding them what that would actually entail. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm working on a project right now and I met with a writer and we were sitting down and the Geekscapers are familiar with the, the basis of it, but I won't reveal it. Um, but it's... It came out of Geekscape. I'm just going to completely make it up in my head then, you can, and it's but, hilarious. But the writer said, if it's okay with you, I don't want any of our heroes using guns. And I go, yeah. Cool. He, goes, he, goes, I don't want to, he goes, I don't want to normalize that image and like, make it cool. And I, and, and I said, well, the villains can use guns. And he said, absolutely. But our main characters can just like grab the guns. It's like Doctor Who. T- they can take them apart with their hands. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like our, our characters are so ridiculously overpowered. <laughs> they can just be like, oh, nice gun. It's broken uh, now. We need more um, of that. Now the gun is inside of you. because <laughs> It's a fairly base idea. But, um, you know, it, yeah, just this idea that uh, at some point we have to, in our own creating, in our own work, start addressing this stuff. Uh, and I think that I don't... The idea that civil war is is a reality. I think that that you know you, you've read the, the things online where it's like <laughs> if Trump wins, if Trump loses in November, he won't step down. That whole idea, and I'm like, well, and then or that we will take to the streets with our guns. We will take the streets with our um, guns. We, multiple we, you know, times, like you know, it's time to. Time I'm not to start responsible for what war. happens if I lose, and, and it's like okay. At the end of the day, some of these guys have to actually do something. But I think a lot of this is. Posturing. At what point do you realize this may not be posturing for some of these people? Right. They're already starting to shoot, um, and they're shooting up schools, they're shooting up churches, they're shooting up. They're, you know, and, and, and it at only some takes point, one crazy person to kind of cross that line, and then enough other people to follow them in an, a knee-jerk response right. to really start something dangerous. The folks in Oregon in the bird in the bird <laughs> yeah. reserve oh were they were a group. Yeah. Uh, and you do see that in games like. You do see that in video games. You see that in some of these that, games that we've been, been playing. That's been we've been growing up with, right, to some extent. So we, we, we explored that all over. We went all over the nation to the RNC, to the Women's March in D.C., to all protests in L.A. We got footage all over. Really? Yeah. 
you guys did spend your own money. Was uh, it we, super expensive to make no, this? No, I mean, compared to films. How'd you guys shoot it? Well, um, how'd you shoot it? We got a Samsung NX1 <laughs> camera, which was a nice camera in that you could, uh, noobs to Cameraville yeah. like ourselves could Point handle click. it, and that you could um, touch the screen on who you wanted to focus on, and then as they moved, it would keep that person in focus. It doesn't do was, any flutter or anything no, like that? No, it was lovely in that sense. Um, it was great for low light stuff. Like, it really was the, the learning to film sort of, but slightly step up camera that we needed because you and charlie are actors we are so we do a lot of self-tapes i've you know i'm not totally new to the area but i'm not i was about to say you're not totally new to filmmaking not to the to the running of the camera operation is not usually my hat okay and it's not charlie's either it's not either no he is a pure actor he would rather just act and i forced him into being sometimes camera operator sound and dit guy so you were literally the director you're like get over there Grab um, the camera. It's remarkable. Because I'm in the shot. What your loved one will do for you when you are pregnant, yes. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about this because I'm getting messy. You shouldn't do action stuff while huge either. I've learned that. You had to do some action stuff in this one? I had to reimagine as we got closer what my outline looked like because a lot of the action and the big stuff was happening while I was big. And I, I got put on sort of like a semi bed rest toward the end. And so I was like, well, we're going to have to rethink this because my character has to sit down now. I can't run and climb. Okay, here we go. There you go with the, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it to the, from the story from the beginning. Okay, cool. so you got this, this, this married couple, mm-hmm. not named after you guys, not you guys playing fictitious versions of yourselves. We're like, just playing us, actually, yeah. It's but, Paula and Charlie. It is Paula and Charlie. It is Carla and Charlie. Okay, Paula and Most Charlie, characters are named themselves. they're having their first child in Civil War is breaking out. Mm-hmm. And they are a little bit heads in the sand. And they've got this oncoming pregnancy that is how far in? Uh, you see it from the very beginning, from us realizing we're pregnant all the way through. Great. So this is going to take place over nine plus months. Geeks gave us the story, which I'm guessing is like an hour and a half, two hours. Mm-hmm. And this thing is coming, and then the violence starts erupting down their street. And they're like, oh, we got to move. Yeah. So it went from you guys filming at protests, which is like the beginning of the fires being stoked. Or kind of like just being annoyed by the being protests. Being annoyed by the protests. life stuff. Right. Um, yeah. So what's the example of like, like talk about not going without a script because you guys kind of went almost mumblecore if you guys are going with the, with like um, we with are, our outline. We uh, are luckily rather skilled improvisers. So okay. I would give Charlie like, this is what we need to establish in the scene. Okay. We need to make sure that we're showing like um, whatever's happened. And then we're going to talk about that briefly, like how funny that we got these gas masks delivered to our street. Ridiculous, right? So, so the government like issued gas masks. Right. Right. Um, so we're making fun of little things that happen as opposed to taking them seriously in some aspects. So say that's an example of the scene. We would be able to improv that as ourselves as characters. Right. And then when I we would have scenes with larger people, I would usually script out at least key lines. You need to hit the lines. Yeah. And then we would we would have fun and do it. The gas mask thing, we're joking in your script about the gas mask thing. Yeah. But with this coronavirus... I know. People... Well... Oh, I mean, and, on a math, uh, on a mathematical scale, I don't know if I'm terrified no, no, of coronavirus. No, but, in the, um, but the fact that we, um, I was in CVS the other day and the CVS employees are talking about how they can't keep the masks in stock. Yeah. I start thinking, oh, these masks are becoming more prevalent. Just the face masks. Yeah. I don't think the face mask is going to save you from coronavirus. No, probably not. <laughs> but the <laughs> fact that there's some company somewhere just printing face masks like crazy. Oh, dude, Amazon can't keep them in stock. It's nuts. This stuff is... <laughs> you, you, you made this movie. You guys shot this movie years ago. Yeah. 
Because your kid is now older? Yes, we have two of them. One of them was a lovely um, pickup shot, surprise baby. Um, we have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And so it takes two, you longer. In so the two-year-old was like, <laughs> you're like, hey guys, I got pregnant again. Now we can do some of those pickup shots without using a baby pillow. It was, um, yeah, pretty so, much. So I'm, I'm literally in CVS and these guys are talking about how they can't keep these masks in stock. And in your film... You guys are shooting this uh, four years ago? Yeah, some of it four years ago. You guys are shooting this four years ago with your first child in your tummy, and you're like, wow, let's do an extreme scene about these gas masks, and we joke about the gas masks. I'm literally in 2020 joking about the face masks. Yeah, some of it has been a little alarming as to how on the nose uh, things ended up or or could end up or are revealing themselves. (laughs) What else is revealed in your movie that we have to be prepared for? Uh, Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like your uh, Nostradamus? I don't want to be too too uh, spoilery. Um, You're saving there's lives. There's a lot of uh, if, you, if, you, right? if you give us spoilers, there's a, you may be a saving growing lives. rebellion, right? That uh, within the United States that is not unarmed, I suppose. Right. Um, and are then these there's the, also is it the anime nerds who were in Nerdsman like three maybe. weeks ago? They're Remember not those guys? Oh yeah, oh, that's right. No, it's 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 on yeah. MLK Day when those kids in Richmond like went marching. Do you saw that? I did. And I was like, oh man, here we go. Those nerds. People aren't necessarily organized on mass, right? right? All you need is a few people together to get one bad idea to try to go do something right. and it can have a lot of repercussions. So, okay, so how long is it? Do you have the assembled... It's feature film. Yeah, feature do you like have, But I'm talking about the script. Do you have oh. like the assembled outline? Like how long is that outline? Uh, the outline was literally a board with uh, post-it notes on it. So it was a one that we'd move around. Sometimes post-it note would lose its sticky and fall off. And we'd have to like, wasn't there something here? What was it? Yeah, it was not the most organized filming experience I'd ever done. But it was kind of magic and how the stars aligned and really the story just kind of formed itself in front of our eyes. We were like, well, that worked out. (laughs) Take me through this because this creative process is crazy to me. I know. (laughs) It really is. And that's what I want to ask you about this. and, and when I say mumblecore, I don't mean that mumblecore is a slight because obviously, like the Duplass brothers and that whole school of mumblecore has done very well for itself. When you see other awesome improvisers like Mark Duplass and his brother and making all this stuff, um, we've been watching the the early show, the morning show oh, yeah. on Apple, yeah. and I think Mark Duplass is arguably the best person on. He's incredible on that show. Um, and they came out of that whole mumblecore school of we're just going to have an outline and we're going to get together with our friends. The leak does that too. And, when I shot yeah. the episode of that, it was like, literally like I got cast without auditioning because they'd seen my reel, and I, I thought it was a mistake when they my, called really? my manager and they just have you show up and you're like, wait, what am I, what am I playing? And there's they're no like, script. oh, you're going to be um, you're going to be his girlfriend and you guys are just here for a date and there's a hot tub and just you know. Have fun. I was like, do you want me to say like one line or is this a co-star? Should I say 20? And they're like, oh, if you have 20 lines, just say it. And you're like, oh, okay. You will find it in editing. It. Does it give you, as a, okay, so as an actor, mm-hmm. how did it feel? Uh, terrifying at first until you start it and then exhilarating and really empowering. So we found that with our shooting experience too, that although it's a little scary going into it for a lot of people who are so used to the script as, you know, your base, your bones. Yes. Um, You're talking about once you empower <laughs> once you empower them a little bit, you see how amazing they can be, and you really get some treasures that you wouldn't wouldn't alone have been able to come up with. Well, I well, I, I allow improv, of course, because sometimes I get to the point and I was like, Jonathan, your script kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but but and you just need the talent of the actors and the and talent everyone. And I'm like, PA, I'm like, hey, PA, you got any ideas? <laughs> like, you know. So sometimes the script, you're just like, ah, oh, that didn't really turn out in Meat World the way. I thought of it in digital world. Hmm. In my 
like, hey, yeah. you sounded funnier. Sounded really yeah. good, but that that line, no, that's that line stinks. Um, so some, so so you, I think you need improvisation. My question isn't just about the improvisation on a story dialogue level at this point. As directors, mm-hmm. as people who are dealing with a live parasite in your body, right, <laughs> that is changing needs for you as an actor. How are you improvising at that point? So I ask about the league to talk about like within a scene, just thinking my only burden is acting right now. Right. That's one skill set. When you took that skill set and had to immediately apply it on the on the physical fly <laughs> to lighting, sound, framework, you yeah. know, everything. It, I will say there is a natural element to motherhood that lends itself to um, multitasking. And yeah. I don't know that this is a... Um, unique to women, unique to men, unique to any, just a particular brain chemistry. I'm not sure. But I love operating in that space. Charlie does not love it. Charlie was <laughs> a husband little, is like, a little stressed. Just actor, you know? um, but I, I, th- I love it. It feeds mm-hmm. me somehow where I can be both the actor and have the other side of my brain working to um, critique a shot or a scene. I don't always do it as well as I could if I'm only focusing on sure. one side. I can go back and watch it and be like, oh, well, crap, that lighting did not work. Uh, or we forgot to push record on the sound that time. Fantastic. It happened. Happens. And you're like, ADR but time. what's beautiful about having a two-man casting crew, for the most part, um, was the fact that we could make our own schedule. I'm like, you know what? That scene didn't work last night. Let's just shoot it again tonight. Yeah. Or um, new idea. That idea didn't work that we spent two hours doing yesterday, so we're going to go on a drive, and I have a new solution to this mm-hmm. problem that we need to get over as characters. So it was a fluid writing... It was. There were a lot of new post-its going on the board or ones getting ripped. Uh, but can we, And then when you when you start inviting people out, uh, like uh, you, when you start inviting other people in, at, at some point do you make it digital? At some point do you take what's on the board and say, okay, they're going to need me to email some, them some scenario ahead right. of time so that they can kind of on the drive over whenever start yes. spitballing some Or parameters. even to get them to agree to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a lot of times me kind of hashing out like a page or two of a script mm-hmm. and being like, this is where we're starting, but I trust you to elevate this yeah. if you want to bring some of your own to it. And some people really like to stick to something close to hmm. what's on the page. And if they were more comfortable with that, totally fine. We played with it. And others really ran with it, which was great too. What were some um, of the discoveries? Like, What were some of the surprises where you're like, oh, damn, they just made this idea in my head. Um, better by bringing in their experiences and their outlook. Glenn Morshower was really uh-huh. fun to work with, and um, his character is is relatively creepy and using the uh, cover of Civil War to kind of um, commit his own uh, agenda, right. which is not savory, right? So I haven't even thought of that level. Uh, of what's the people that are using it as just like a crime cover, right? sure, um, because everybody else is focused elsewhere. So it, he was great at locking into that and had no problem going full. Creepster, which was amazing to watch. Cool. That's cool. Um, has uh, he played that kind of character before? Has he? But how do we, how do we know him? You from? know him from uh, 24, from sure. Supergirl, from The Resident, yeah. uh, Bloodline. I mean, the guy's been in everything. All the Transformers Resident movies, Evil he's a general. Bloodline. I don't think Glenn was in When you say movie. Resident. Oh, The Resident. The Resident, The, the, film, the TV show. Yeah. Um, Charlie knows him from the first Transformers movies. They, they did uh, a scene together uh-huh. where Charlie, you know, spoiler, if you haven't seen the first Transformers Guys, if you movies, haven't seen the first Michael B. Transformers... <laughs> Charlie doesn't make it out of that first scene I'm when sorry, the base Charlie. explodes. I know, it's so sad. Um, 
but yeah, he, he met Glenn there, and they've been great friends since. Um, we had Charlie Hunnam from... Uh, or, <laughs> Charlie Hunnam would Goodness, be sick. That would be amazing. Is there any way, even though he's in 10 seconds of the movie, you know to put what? him on the poster? <laughs> deep fake. If we get enough money. <laughs> Guys, no. some of the stretch goals is Look, let's get Charlie face. Hunnam to play the... <laughs> I have a lot of Charlies in my life right now. No, this, Do you? I'm Bowden. <laughs> oh, right. But I was actually thinking of Charles Halford. Charlie Halford, yeah. also a friend who said this. So sorry, Charlie. Uh, was in Constantine and... Yeah. Um, or Constantine? Constantine. 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 Yeah, Constantine. Now there's some controversy as do to Do people really say Constantine? They do. they do. Because I played a young Constantine or teen on uh, Justice League Action in an episode, a boy. They called it, it Constantine? Was, well, there was an argument about how to pronounce Who it. Who said that? You know, just it, the people, the fans, they were looking it up and it was a big thing. So, were, oh, yeah. no. Anywho, I'm firmly in the Constantine camp. Yeah, true detective. That's, he was in the first season. He's a great, awesome, like six yeah. foot twelve. That's I, that's not really a size. I made it up. Was he's he like the back? Six, six foot twelve. Yeah, seven, that's just seven feet. Seven. Oh, <laughs> it, that, that big. Was he the big guy in True yeah. Detective season yeah. one? And he's he's that's, he's guys, a guy that we run into here that doesn't um doesn't help us. He's scary as hell. Yeah, and he he has a little run in with Charlie. So my Charlie. So two two Charlies face off. Yeah, Charlie and Charlie. Um, uh, but yeah, so I'm gonna move your mic a little bit because it's in a fold. Oh, See how no. your mic is in a fold? I do. Um, okay, here we go. I'm only, I think I'm the only one hearing it. There we go. Geekscape is Geekscape is really good. Yeah, way better, way better. Mm. Um, so uh, he also elevated what we gave him and uh, made it terrifying, and uh, and played with it. So and and you know, of course, Yuri Lowenthal. I can give him nothing other than and then come into the car at this point, and he's gonna. Just absolutely played. He came out to see me, Valley, to act in like a sizzle for me, and he comes <laughs> out of. And I'm like running around, directing things, and um, and he's supposed to go. Like we had a costume for him, and it had like a different shirt, and he comes out with this thing, where like his nipples are popped. Like it's under his nipples. <laughs> the shirt is pulled down under his nipples, and his nipples are like full free. That's a new look for you. And I go, I go. Uh, is that what we told you to wear? And he goes, That's what I'm wearing. And I go. That's what you're wearing. All right. Because <laughs> it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> and now when people see it, they're like, that dude with the nipples. And I'm like, the guy with the nipples. <laughs> yes, sir. That's going to be his new business card. Um, yeah, scratch off Spider-Man and Ben 10 and all the rest. Oh, my Just brother was dying laughing. He's like, I love Yuri, the nipple suit. And I'm oh, like, my God. We, we shot this while he had a mohawk, so it made it quite Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he had that mohawk like four years <sighs> ago. Mm-hmm. So this is almost like a family video, too. And Talk and about it like on a Paula Rhodes level. Like you guys made a movie. <laughs> and like and people, a baby at the same time. Well, people have done this because like Ali Wong did her stand-up while she was pregnant. Sure. I have uh, Cooper Barnes' wife um, did a, a stand-up special while she was pregnant. And, you know, people do that. But the stand-up specials are a day. Mm-hmm. You're shooting a home video, basically, <laughs> of your pregnancy. Probably with, at least every other week we were shooting something. With fictional accompaniment. Mm-hmm. Why not just and make saying home like, videos? oh, there's a there's a building that blew up down the street. We should break in and see if we can film some footage there and come up with a way to incorporate it into our film. Wait, hold up. It was, hold it up. Was just, it was just going with like, oh, I see there's a bunch of fire trucks. Let's follow them and see what's happening. We really. You're hunting production value. We were hunting production you, value. You snuck into like an abandoned warehouse or. I don't want to place. use those terms for legal reasons. You. We were resourceful. The full. Range of what we could find. While you were pregnant? Um, at least Charlie, sometimes me, yeah. It's amazing what you can get Wait, away with. Sometimes Charlie, he was never pregnant. No, he wasn't, <laughs> but he was often with the camera. He was always, uh, so okay. you can get away with a lot when you're a uh, small, pregnant, probably white gal. You know, like you just, uh, people won't stop you, or if they do, they're very nice. 
Google it too. I gotta, I gotta work around the idea of like, because there are places, and I we used to do it all the time for music videos, is be like, well, nobody's over there. Let's go into that abandoned warehouse and shoot. We used to, there was a place called Scary Dairy that was like, I think it's in Ventura ah, County, and it, and it was like a burned down, like cow, like it was a burned down. Um, dairy farm and it just had like abandoned silos where the sun would come through and it was See, if you was told incredible. me this a few years ago we probably would have also <laughs> scary been dairy was great but people had gone in there and spray painted everything and and it just looked post-apocalyptic and you yeah. wanted you loved shooting in it because it comes with the art direction for free yeah. and like the salt and sea sort of that's yeah. really what you're looking for is you guys are looking for like free production design and all it's going to cost you is time and ingenuity. Like, oh, there's a bunch. There's maybe a, a little lack of um, intelligence for no, just that moment. We just turned off our safety valve. It's a different kind of intelligence. It's a storytelling <laughs> intelligence. It's a, yeah. you know what? These are resources. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call it lack of intelligence. I'm going to call it okay. resourcefulness. <laughs> My mother would. So, yeah. that's uh, We were turning off our mom uh, internal voices. Oh, I don't do second. that. I don't yeah. think anybody's ever become a successful storyteller when they listen to that voice oh, of, oh, don't do that. That doesn't I sound know. like such a good idea. And here's me as that voice for everybody saying, hey, don't start a civil war. It's a really bad idea, see? Hey, guys, what? maybe you shouldn't have walked down the street in Richmond, Virginia. Or maybe oh, those tiki torches ain't such a good yeah, idea. Leave them in uh, your yard. <laughs> leave them in your yard. <laughs> leave them at your, yeah, leave them at your frat party. What if? What, so you've got this, uh, what, were you guys caught at any point is what I want to ask. When you oh, guys were, were you guys like, get the fuck. I was asked, um, uh, get the to, hell out of here. what are you doing? Are you lost? Are you okay? Stuff. They usually weren't like, get out, lady. Cause that is so unfair. I'm a middle-aged, I know, that's, I was leaning into the privilege of, of middle-aged white lady pregnant. I was leaning into it heavily to get away with some stuff. Uh, because. What the Right. On occasion, they're like, you can't be here. But they're mostly just confused as to why I was there. Um, we got threatened. Like People yeah, would threaten us. Be like, get out of here. We're going to call the cops. Get out of here. You should hire pregnant ladies to bring with you next You time. didn't have to like smear your face and look like you, like, like you had been confused and just been like, oh, sorry. It's I really don't know easy where to I put am. that face on when you're pregnant, too. Because <laughs> you just have a lot of hormones. So there were a lot of times when you guys had, but you got the shot. Yeah. So you guys could leave. Sometimes. Every now and then we'd, we'd miss an opportunity that we were hoping for. Because somebody um, kicked you out of their abandoned warehouse. Right. One president's are in town and you're trying to get some sort of like road blockage and they're being kind of jerks about it because, you know, Secret Service. You maybe, you know, have to lay off that stuff. That's happened? But on when, occasion. When but the president was in town, you guys were like, We would camera. like chase uh, road blockage <laughs> whenever we could. And on occasion, things like auditions would come in the way and we're like, dang it, I can't get that shot. I have to run to this commercial audition. <laughs> you're doing the exact opposite of everyone else in Los Angeles. I know. When there's a road stoppage based on the president coming through, it's like, wow, you might want to avoid that part of town because there's going to be a speech and they're they're coming in from LAX. Just avoid that part of town entirely. We would pick those up from NPR and run to it. Also, our editor was very much a team member of ours, Rachel King. She's amazing. Everyone should hire her. She helped us put together this thing in a a wonderful story format as we went. And so she would be like, hey, heads up, I heard so-and-so's in town for a fundraiser if you want to run to it. Rachel King is the sister of? Of Tracy King. Tracy King, yeah. I, then I know Rachel. Yeah. Rachel yeah. edited Bo and I's series yes. way back in the day. A13, Santa? I don't know what it oh, was yes. anymore. Oh, yes. Um, but I haven't spoken to Bo in years, but I know Tracy and I know Rachel. And, her and she's cutting yourself. And I was about to say, Rachel should hate you right now because you guys, in your improvisations, in your <laughs> thing, she, she has no script to cut to. She has nothing. She's 
What we she's making your we, movie, we, Paula. She made a she's lot. She's making your movie. No joke. Um, <laughs> right. We made a wonderful Google Doc, and right. we would kind of like specify which take we wanted to lean into. Like this is a great beginning. We like the ending in this, um, and she's a wonderful communicator. And sometimes it'd be like, I really think we need a traveling shot between these two. Or Go I think on, get if a glue we could get shot. This. Yeah. And um, her suggestions, you know, nine times out of ten were just on the money, and we were able to get them. She's an MVP because. Not having like too much of a script to work with, just having just having footage dumped on you with no end in sight. <laughs> no, because you no. guys were dumping footage on her. When did you start dumping footage on her? Uh, I'd have to go back and look. Probably every few months. But she was in it from bit. the start. Yeah, yeah, we got her on board. Rachel before, was like, in it from the start. Okay, filming. so you guys start filming, and you're like, "Hey, we we've we've only shot two scenes. We shot for four hours total, and there's." 45 minutes I mean, of that's, footage. That's, we would shoot for go. an hour. Right. We would shoot real quick. And, you know, totally. And, and then she gets that and, and then she starts working with it and she makes a three minute piece out of it and then it's just going. So it's been, it's not just been four <laughs> or five years for you guys. It's been four no, or five years for your she's editor. very much a team member. And it's still going. So Geekscape is, let's talk about the delicate state. You guys want to go yeah. on to uh, a seed and spark and look for this. Uh, in the show notes, there's going to be a link. Um well, and the uh, Seed and Spark launches today. There's some incentives. But if you don't do it for Paula and Charlie, do it for Rachel. Oh, my goodness. Do it for Rachel. <laughs> because it's, this, is, this is not a very glorious and thankful <laughs> job as yeah, an editor. Glory. You know, what's been cool is that we really have some, uh, some cool things to incite people, though, to it. Because we have, you know, Tara and Yuri both being VO royalty. Mm-hmm. We have Tara You're offering VO some royalty, exclusive. too. Oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm not I'm looking, ranks, but, but I was looking you. at your VO. And I was like, she's getting some stuff. I do want to. There's some cool stuff coming up too. I can't wait to un NDA it. Okay. Uh, but they, yes, they have some awesome perks they're offering. Uh, Leah Voli's offering some extra ones. Charlie's character in the movie is a coin collector, numismatist, which he actually is in real life too. My husband's a nerd on that. that He's level, a coin okay? collector. He is a huge coin collector. He has discovered new varieties. He flips coins all the time for That's money. That's a low tier. So if oh, you have geek. like a, a That's super, a rough it's, one. It's, it's pushing the glasses out. You go right? to Comic-Con looking to do some coin collection, they ain't got nothing for you. <laughs> That's burden for you. That's so tough. So he, if you have like a grandfather's uh, coin collection, you've inherited, <laughs> he will help you evaluate that and tell you what it's worth and can sell it for you. That is his, how the, how, wait, how did he get into coin collecting? I don't even know. His dad had a collection that he got and I think one day he just started looking into it and became obsessed with the history and the unique, um, like, how, wow, this penny in my pocket sure. is actually worth $5 and I just sold it on eBay for 5 Like, that's nuts. Sure. So sure. when he started being able to do that, I was like, well, all right, I can support this hobby. But is it a disease maybe, at some point? Maybe, like, but, you know, so far it's been a productive one. Do you, I mean, <laughs> you don't collect anything, do you? Like, children, apparently. Children is what it, too, okay. Though, so <laughs> cats on occasion. <laughs> I, I mean, in this movie, they're, are they children <laughs> or are they props? Or are they enabling <laughs> your, like, endangering of them? <laughs> As you like climb over fences to get shots. Right. And because it's it's kind of tapping into that, you know, we need to stay engaged as a society and sure. educated. We are offering the, um, for a lot of people, the bespoke help of helping you check to see, like walking you through the steps of how to check and see if you're registered to vote or how to register to vote. Where, where you tell us what state you're in and we will give you like, check this site if you're not registered already. Here's the dates. Here's this. Here's what you need to bring. Like we will spell it out to help people. You're going to have to do the registering, but we'll hold your hands for it. Could you build a uh, Civil War disturbance detector? Right. Like that state by like state, go through the state by state or county by county Some and be like, you're living in a county that looks pretty troubling right now. You just now. get alerts on your cell phone. It's like, run, run, run. 
Yeah, I, I figure like if 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 shit breaks out, you got to figure out like where exactly do you want to live. Probably not Los Angeles <laughs> County because it's no. super super populated. Yeah. But like, where do Same you want to live? Same with zombies, right? You got to get to the less populated. We made that documentary. We yeah. made that documentary in 2014 <laughs> with Doc of the Dead, where I'm li- I literally am interviewing preppers oh, who are living in Los Angeles, and they're like, I know exactly what to do. I'm like, then why are you still living here? Yeah. <laughs> why are you not in rural Montana? <laughs> Or the oh, nearest other, yeah, you were. <laughs> we're the nearest person. Like, why did you move here if the if civil war is going to break out? I think, like, rural Montana came out as the number one place you want to be with a, if a zombie outbreak happens because people are basically walking z- zombies that just have to happen. Right, they'd have to walk really far to get to you at that point. Yeah, and if you see somebody walking yeah. toward you, you've got like a mile to be like, hey, pal. Yeah. Respond in English or you're gone. You could put like a real perimeter of travel. Totally. I mean, you, you could, you could, there's mountains you can see for miles. For yeah, did you see the, the, the Quiet Place trailer, the second Quiet Place trailer? Yes. And I'm like, wait, why are they driving into a town? I too thought that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the <laughs> first like, Quiet Place, they're just stay in. stay by the darn waterfall, guys. This is a don't brainer. You guys are by the middle of nowhere and you, I don't know what. You guys are going to throw me. That makes me think that a good idea would have been <laughs> to leave where you were. There's another movie-making couple that decided to just, you know. And I, and I love Quiet Place. And you can talk about the plot holes of Quiet Place. And the nerds love to get into it. We do love to get into it because I am one of you. But um, I found it to be a great movie that had some really awesome designs and some really... It was a really cool horror idea. It was a cool world, and um, and I hope they don't totally break the rules on the second one. Yeah. You know? But when I saw in the trailer, they started driving into a populated place. I was like, or at least what would have been a populated place where there are resources that you might want to go towards. I was like, no. It, I feel like it's somebody being like, you need to up the stakes when they're writing that. Like, okay. <laughs> like a studio person? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can we up but, the stakes? Which I'm sure would have happened all throughout my film had I extra voices in it. But uh, I felt like our stakes were pretty high with the mortality of pregnancy and... Uh, and work. So there are action sequences in the movie? Action-ish, yeah. Okay, talk about like the effects so far, because you guys got the Shamara Project yes. grant, and that carried some of your posts. Yeah, it covers like 90% of our... We have one more shot of the effects I'm going to need to cover. It's pretty expensive? Uh, it ranges wildly. We got quotes over 100000 for VFX, and we got quotes under five. Wait, hold so up. It, for over the same shots. Over 100000 Yes. They're like, well, to make that look, look good, it's going to have to be 100000 like, Dude, we're not trying to make Armageddon. I was, you know, to be fair, some of these people are doing, you know, uh, Jack Ryan and huge shows. Sure. Right now. So I was like, thank you so much. I'm so glad you have that great job. Slow back away. Right? Yeah. Can't afford them right now. Can't afford you. Um, and, uh, and I luckily found, at, via the Chimera Project, they put me in touch with Dave Mady, who was both talented and could fit our budget for what they were offering. And he's been amazing so far, so I'm really excited. And he also is like 6'12", as I said. He, Not yeah, really 6'12". He's a tall he's guy. He's 6'5". So he's but, big. Dave but he's going to be like, all right. Name implies, yes. He's going to make sure it doesn't look like, no offense, Asylum, but like the Asylum film effects. Like, well, here's hoping, right? No, and, like, and they're not... Um, Luckily, our effects aren't something like I need a giant robot to come out of the ground and smash us to bits. That's the sequel. So, um, yes, that's we're definitely holding out for the sequel. Right. Uh, so they are realistic in nature, and they have to be believable, and they're quick. So, so yeah, so far I've been very pleased with Eddie Stilber. Would you do this again? Um, wow, like the pregnancy part. Because I think we're you will do that again. Right now, I, I do, hope not. Wait, I no, hope. are you calling it a two kids? I, I hope so. That's a lot to fit in a car. Okay. I mean, just logistics-wise. <laughs> um, like, like, at that point, you're looking at bigger cars and bigger houses. And uh, yeah, I um, think that the practical... But, yeah. you know what? I, I'm glad I did it, but much like high school, it, you're so glad you're 
done and you're ready for the next uh, right. next phase. So how would you approach it? How would I approach it next time? That next thing. Well, the next thing I'm working on is with America Young and Tara Platt and Beverly Hines. We're writing a a feature film right now that we're going to shoot. And uh, that's a never-ending story meets Fahrenheit 451. So uh, we will have a script for that. It's very well. Script, script, script. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't want to go... So different world. You're not going to miss the post-it notes. (laughs) The post-it notes are not going to be missed. But I will say, I, I still love... Much like with one of the reasons I love Delph Quest, I love the fact that you can you can dive into these fantastical fantasy worlds or sci-fi worlds mm-hmm. and explore a, a real um, element that affects our lives, like something that might hurt to face in real life, right? Be it racism, or be it whatever you're going to explore. Um, homophobia is something mm-hmm. that deal with in, in ElfQuest, right? So sure. that's something that they wipe away by just making it super normal in ElfQuest. But in a sci-fi fantasy world, you can look at it and just have it be normalized in that world and internalized in your own. Or you can explore things that would make would be kind of uncomfortable to look at if we just did a kitchen sink drama, but are super easy to tackle and, and to, to tell that story right. in a fantasy world. So, it's so not I, escapism. I love... I, it, like, I hate when they call it escapism. No, it's... it's yeah. um, gosh, America has a really good term for it. That's why she's our director for so often. Uh, it's, it's, it's looking through the lens of fantasy to yeah. explore real, real hard topics... Yeah. And make them easy for people to see and talk about and internalize. Yes, it's a, it's a prism. I love that aspect of fantasy, and I think it's something that's always driven me to that particular world. So, and, and you know, obviously with Delicate State, it's more of a, uh, a fantastical reimagined timeline uh, that could happen. Yeah, <laughs> so, I was like, maybe. Uh, not. A little close to reality, but. Uh, but so I think I'll still play in that realm a lot of, of the fantasy and using our voices to tell important stories or important lessons. Or things speak up for things that are important to us through the lens of fantasy. Yeah, I don't think that, that when I when I was watching Delicate States, I was like, you know what? If you're in the Congo, this this would have happened. You know what <laughs> no. I mean? If you were in Rwanda, this would have happened. If you were in Eastern Europe during the early '90s, this would have happened to you. And most people don't see it happening while it is. Hindsight, yes, but while it's happening, people think ah, it'll never happen here. Um. It doesn't take much. It know, actually that's what's so scary. It doesn't people, take a whole so lot. So many people discount it, though. They're like, uh, yeah. And it wouldn't even I'll pay have attention to, be, to what we're having for dinner. Wouldn't even have to be political. The dislodging no. of your water system. Yeah. And here in Los Angeles, our water comes from 400 miles north. Like, We'd be done. Just the. I mean, if you're in New York City, I I don't know how in Manhattan people are still cool with the way that they get their water because it is such an antiquated system that is based on. On, on their water coming from places miles and miles Super. and miles away and some of those systems are well over 100 years old yeah. and it just takes a little bit it's of a problem. tiny little and we're living in an earthquake land <laughs> yeah in Los Angeles we're living in earthquake land and it's it won't take away. won't take long for us to just start doing the um, running and screaming and shooting thing no and I was I lived in Manhattan during the, um, the, the right after outage? right after 2011 I moved there um, in 2002 actually uh and I was there for the big blackout that happened. I was working in the World yes. Financial Center right by the Trade Center site that was still a big hole at that point. And so when, when all the lights went out and people started running and screaming toward the ferries, uh-huh. I was just a waitress at this uh, restaurant there on the, right on the waterfront and was watching this happen like, should I run to or should I serve this beer? They're, Will they're, I get fired weirdest, if I run for my and life? it's stupid that you start to think like, well, I mean, I do need this money for my rent. And you're facing possible mortality yeah. issues. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily it was, it was just a blackout, but you start hearing things as people run like, no, it's all of Manhattan. No, it goes to Ohio. Ah! 
When was that blackout? It was like oh, oh gosh, five, I want to say it was six? around oh five ish. I was gone. No, no, two thousand, two thousand three or four, maybe. It was before oh five because I moved out here in oh five. Yeah, I saw I saw nine eleven happen. I was living in Morningside, and I saw man, yeah. and I saw that, and I was just like, it. You know what? I wasn't in the Southern Battery. I was up in Harlem Morningside, and I was just hit by like the sirens and sirens and sirens and sirens. But for the most part, the silence that came after it yeah. i was just like whoa and then every now and then you'd hear us as an f-15 flies, flies overhead flies. and i was like well, i don't know what's happening i think that i think that the majority of people are going to be like me and yeah. they're just going to be like i don't actually know what's happening the confusion <laughs> There's and some the, war the cell phones out. being out really just send people into a tizzy of like eh, i don't have information i don't know what's happening and i'm on my modem so i'll I, just keep running i guess if you're uh, running it's uh, it, it is confusing and scary and weird. I oh, I sharpened that. a broom into a spear. That's all I did. Did you really? No. <laughs> like, like, I still have it. I can't I'm going to sit here in my apartment and I'm going to sharpen a broom into a spear. <laughs> no, I just sat there and I hit refresh on Yahoo. I was just like, I, I had a cable modem and um, and I knew that our relay towers were the trade centers and my cell phone immediately stopped working. Uh, and... My neighbors, I invited them to come over and use my cable modem, which oh I did not disconnect um, because I found out through my cable modem and my Yahoo, I, I got my neighbors to come on like, hey, do you want to log in your email and tell your people you're you're good? And But I could see people walking to watch the George Washington's bridge. To the bridge, yeah. And that was it because everything else that, was closed. You missed month. it. Oh, you should have come to that party. Summer. I know, right? should have come. I was it was there for a that party. summer. I went back to finish school and I came out the next month for a photo shoot and I remember flying over and feeling, even a month later, how heavy it all was. And... Yes. People here, we don't, we don't, honestly, we don't live with a lot of trauma. Not like right. trauma like the rest You're of You're talking about the United States. The yes. United States. So yeah. when you, when we do experience, when we have, and we will again, it, it, it is such a, a, a new experience for us that we, we find ourselves a little bit lost. Most people kind of are in pause, like idle mode. That was me. The, I was like, I don't know what to do. Very few go into full-on action mode. Maybe those preppers you talked to, they were... Already no, the preppers, <laughs> I hate to tell, I hate to put them on blast, but those preppers, you guys kind of sucked. Oh, no. Like, you guys were, you guys were all good about, like, having, like, a million products in a bug out bag, <laughs> but your ability to get to your shelter was dumb. Oh, like, no. there were, we, I interviewed a guy, and I don't even know if he still builds shelters anymore. He used to be on the five, and, he, and you could drive, like, around commerce, city of industry, you could see, like, fallout shelter he was advertised the fallout shelter and he had they were giant silos that he would put under the ground and they would have filtration systems and all sorts of stuff oh wow and he would he would go out to a site maybe in texas or other places and he would build these things for people and put them in their land and texas feels like somewhere there'd be a lot put them underneath i have a lot of relatives there. and i just asked the guy i was like you have one of these and he goes yeah of course and i go is it here on this property and he said no and i said so when shit hits the fan, how are you going to get to it? Have you been in five o'clock traffic? <laughs> like, the oh fuck. Gosh. If shit hits the fan, this it's going to be five o'clock traffic times a hundred. Yeah. And you're trying to get to Barstow, dude. Your food. I hate to tell you, your food. I listen. This stuff that's in your <laughs> film. If this starts happening, I've got a whole like. I've got a whole cabinet of seasonings, and you I'm just, just going to start. Off I'm, no, no, I'm just going to start putting seasoning on myself. 
I'm, <laughs> what I'll do, listen, because I'm a nice guy. I'll, you know, I'm going You're to. You're going to volunteer to be eaten first. I'm going to be like, hey, then. listen, so that I don't have to live through this shit. I'm going to send smoke signals over to your I'm, house and be like, um, is it Jonathan Barbecue dude? I might. <laughs> I, I might get a billboard by my place and be like, Eats. the eating's good. <laughs> Come on in. Was there a sign by us that says Jeep yet? For the, yeah, yeah. Maybe they're going to show up and I'm going to be like a like Bugs Bunny in a pot, just like cutting <laughs> carrots and putting them in there. Jonathan, I sincerely hope you don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to be like cutting the carrots like Bugs Bunny and be like, what's up, Doc? You know, uh, and, and just Honestly, putting some extra I seasonings. I sincerely hope that my effort to this uh, helps some people come to the realization this is a bad idea. I hope we're able to avoid this as a nation. Wait, what's a bad idea? Becoming the Civil food? War, or, well, oh, also yeah. food. I want that to ultimately be avoided. <laughs> Um, but I, oh gosh, you guys, I hope you help me make this movie and finish it. And I hope that we get to avoid voting. Or, <laughs> guys, just I don't know. Vote, voting, vote against oh, the apocalypse. Vote against the apocalypse. Vote against the oligarchs. <laughs> vote against the people who keep the poor poor. Yeah. And are keeping the richer rich. And try not to get eaten. Try not to get eaten. Mm-hmm. And if somebody says universal health care, go for it. Let's just see if it, let's just see if it happens. At this point, I'm like. It's that or eating Jonathan, guys. Guys, <laughs> trust me, you don't want to eat me. The things I've actually eaten are still in my system, <gasps> and they will end up in you. He's a Diet Coke right now. Like, tell me, you guys know how, like, and we also discovered this in our zombie documentary, and if you've seen anything like The Cove, if you eat that high off the food, uh, up the food chain, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not as high up the food chain as most humans, but if you eat that high up the food chain, there is the existence of high mercury content. Yeah, you get foot and mouth for There's sure. There's definitely the existence. What is it? Cloven mouth. Wasn't that Cloven mouth. Yeah. Guys, mm-hmm. mad cow comes mad from cow. cannibalism. Like All those yeah. prion diseases that will cause a zombie virus and a zombie outbreak to happen, all those prion diseases, like those come from... Eating up the food chain in pro- the protein folds in people's that brains. That is science. That's science. So don't trust me. Trust science, science. from me, <laughs> which, may, which at some point may not be science anymore if it comes through a filter like me. But don't do it. Like, be smart. Um, before you do that, though, let's make sure this movie gets finished. Oh my gosh, you guys, it'd be so amazing if you can check it out. You have stretch goals and you get rewards from people like Yuri and Tara. We love them. Diane Hutton, if you're a fan of hers, and uh, you know us, you have a chance you could get uh, some Civil War coinage. Charlie's got ten <laughs> oh, trimes, no. which are three cent. Di- it rhymes with dime, trime, three cent pieces from the Civil War. We've got three, and we're gonna, you know, pick them was, just go for that one yeah, because I actually it. want to make my own documentary <laughs> about, about the Civil War that's gonna happen in Poland. I'm gonna take you inside. You're gonna see. I want to do a documentary on Charlie having to part with the coins. Oh, gosh. And I want to see the emotion on his face when he has to mail you guys the coins. So if anything, go to the Seed and Spark page <laughs> and go straight for that reward and try and part Charlie from these coins because I just want to see the drama. Because I know that if I... Because notice, in the in our Seed and Spark, my comic books were not a reward. <laughs> they weren't. I was like, nope, not parting with any of them. Right. <laughs> not parting with any of my comic book collection. It would have been smart, but I wasn't going to do it. So... I just want you guys to go straight for that reward just that Charlie has to like You could also make us wear your food. face at the premiere. You it's make us what? Option. We could wear we will offer to wear someone's face, like put it on a shirt or, or earrings or something and feature their face on our premiere. How much outfit. more to actually wear their face? <laughs> the actual face? <laughs> yes. Did you know what? Everything's up for negotiation. <laughs> you email me, I could probably make a unique perk, but also we're gonna have to check with what the regulations are in your state. So <laughs> just face yeah, silence of the lambs their face. <laughs> like if we have to go full horror with this. 
I mean, there's horror aspects to it. <laughs> there's horror aspects to the movie. All right, Geekscape, it's Seed and Spark. You are looking for Delicate State. There's a link in the show notes. That's what you're going to do. Yay. The uh, campaign is live. And uh, I will spare Paula the rest of my lunacy. Cause it's like, <laughs> and thank you guys so much for listening. And, uh, you know, thanks for talking to games. us. Let me scare you as a scary little girl and other things. Well, or Barbie sisters. Oh, I'm glad you your say. kids are here. I love your kids. <laughs> I love I love your kids. Um, and I'm glad we we did not have to live through a civil war yet. Same. Because now we can train them. Right. We can train to them. Dig that hole to put the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got to put our shelter in back here. I just remember the guy's face when I said, "How are you going to get to it?" And he was just like, "Uh, I ain't thought of that before." <laughs> I was like, oh shit. America. This guy. Good luck, pal. Mm-hmm. Good luck, man. Just he, have him draw you a map and you can use it. He just, he, and he goes like, I ain't telling you. Because if I tell you and I get there, you'll probably be in there already waiting for me. Gosh darn like, right I will. Fuck no. I'm going to go and get an inflatable like boat and just see how far offshore I can get before it sinks. Like, I have, I like your chances, I have such a bad idea. It's I, I don't know. I'm telling you, the best idea I have is the Bugs Bunny idea of getting a giant pot and filling it with water, the inflatable unicorn raft, and just start cutting carrots and be like carrots and celery. What else would you want in human soup? Let's go. Guys, save Jonathan. <laughs> don't let there be a civil war. Help me make this film. <laughs> that was my conversation with Paula Rose. Isn't she awesome? Pretty inspiring. Think about all the different situations that life throws you, and do you really feel like creating? <laughs> uh, you know, if I was gonna have a kid, I'd be like, okay, the kid is all I'm gonna have. I'm only gonna concentrate on kid. Kid, kid, kid is my focus. But the truth is, if you're a creator, you don't know what, what, what you're gonna think in that situation. Um, maybe the only thing you can do is say, hey, this is a perfect chance to make some art. When am I going to be in this situation again where I can make a movie like this? Um, so it's super cool. Uh, I'm super inspired by my conversation with Paula. And again, as we said on the show, go support the finishing funds for Delicate State. The link is in the show notes. It goes to Indie. Uh, does not go to Indiegogo. Do not go to Indiegogo looking for this. Much love, Indiegogo. But this is a Seed and Spark project. Much like the Geekscape produced uh, <laughs> Chasing Fletcher Allen, Seed and Spark, baby. Uh, click the show notes. Go to a link that's in there that says support delicate states and uh, that's the seed and spark that you want to like. If you, let's say you don't even have money. If you just like the project, you will help Paula and Charlie get closer to their goal of, um, of, of reaching a bigger audience, of getting some of the goals that seed and spark provides. It's the cool thing about seed and spark is even if you can't donate any money, if you just follow the project, um, seed and spark will start giving the creators new chances or new opportunities like a front page exposure or things like a hard drive for your footage or different incentives. So uh, having gone through Seed and Spark, uh, I know how it works and liking their page is super important and that is free. So go like their campaign and that is that is something that you can do without opening up your wallet. If you do want to open your wallet, go check out those incentives. There's probably some really cool stuff on there. Uh, that's what we do here on Geekscape. We like to support creators. We like to share stories. And I hope you guys have enjoyed this one. Um, next week, we got our, my good friend Brendan Steer. He made a movie called Velocipaster. <laughs> this thing is blowing up. He made a movie about a pastor who turns into a velociraptor and fights crime. Uh, it sounds like a joke. 
it does, but I um, I met Brandon at Comic-Con this past summer. Uh, he was on our Comic-Con special uh, talking for a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> I, we pulled him right off the floor to talk about this movie. Um, and Matt Kelly could not have been more excited about it. And I'm actually going to sit down with Brandon on the next episode and talk the full Velocipaster experience of making the movie and, uh, and all that. So subscribe to Geekscape if you like Geekscape, if you enjoy these conversations, and share them with your friends, especially your creative friends, and keep the conversation going. And I hope you can make some cool stuff between now and the next time we talk. Um, and I hope maybe you write that script, or you um, record that song, or write a book, or write a poem, <laughs> or paint that picture. Um, do whatever you want to do, but uh, don't hate create. Keep going, and much love. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.